Hi, welcome to another episode of Bill Selleck Talks. My name is Bill Selleck. This is me talking. So, have you ever had peanut butter and chocolate? There's a dude, Reese. Have you heard of him? <laughs> he makes peanut butter cups. Reese's peanut butter cups. Now, like, super obvious thing, right? Peanut butter cups. Peanut butter, chocolate, brilliant, easy. There's all these mashups that I think we're used to having that are just amazing. You know, if I were to ask my kids, it would probably be like vanilla ice cream with sprinkles. Actually, sprinkles go on the end. Vanilla ice cream, maybe chocolate syrup, maybe whipped cream, and then sprinkles. Maybe even a cherry on top. Like, that's so ubiquitous. We even, that's a saying, a cherry on top. Um, There's these things that like automatically go together in our heads. And you know, there's, there's others. There's actually, you know what I just remembered? When I'm thinking about vanilla ice cream, one of my favorite mashups is vanilla ice cream with raspberry vinegar. It's hard to find raspberry vinegar, but it's like legit vinegar. It's dark, like a balsamic, I guess, infused with raspberry. So raspberry vinegar plus vanilla ice cream. You're like, what? Yes. If you ever see raspberry vinegar, buy it mix it in with ice cream. Not a vinaigrette, vinegar. So why am I talking about all this stuff aside from wanting to have like, I don't know, like let's just hug on John Spencer. He talks about all these mashups of s'mores where, uh, what did he just say? It was like ginger snap, white chocolate and marshmallow, or a version of that is like a, a mint So like Andy's mint in the middle, marshmallow, and then um, those grasshopper cookies that are rectangular, right? So like we begin to go kind of away from the traditional, whether it's just chocolate syrup, vanilla ice cream, or raspberry vinegar, vanilla ice cream, or let's talk some more, just regular, you know, chocolate, marshmallow, graham cracker to mint cookie, mint chocolate, marshmallow, to like ginger cookie, got to get the crunch. That's apparently a big thing. Get the crunch, get the marshmallow, and then get like white chocolate, right? We start to to get away from, oh, like I'd never really thought about that. And so I'm still stuck on this idea of creative rigor and like giving students time in the school day to actually dig into and make creative things, to make music, to make podcasts, to make video, and all of those, like, there's so much you could do with it. And so the the first idea I have for you is this idea of this mashup of, you know, like, the kind of the obvious, like, peanut butter and chocolate, right? So what's the education version of that? Do you have an idea in your head yet? All right, so let's take something like, let's do an easier one. Um, if I am trying to teach fifth grade standard um, eighth notes or 16th notes with my fifth graders. You're like, okay, like I can find a lesson on that, but how do I, do I do just a one-off lesson? Here's 16th notes. And now they know how to do 16th notes. Well, okay. Like that, that works, right? Like teaching standards in isolation, but I don't know a single teacher that's like, man, I really have a lot of extra time to kill. Let's teach things one at a time. And so I think one of the tricks to shifting from kind of more traditional like teaching by the book or kind of teaching um, 
teaching to the test or teaching and then a worksheet and you know I'll do a thing and then we'll practice thing together you do the independent worksheet or the independent whatever um, and then you get a little assessment you know like we we've all kind of been through that style of teaching so cool um, I find that when I do that students I'm with are not particularly engaged and their retention a day later a week later a month later is not stellar in fact, you know, like it tends to be 10% or below when you test kids like a month later on the same exact content that they were proficient in the day after you prepare them for that test, for that assessment. And so how do we make that more sticky? How do we make that more interesting? All right. So we have like the 16th note example. Um, and that's a thing that fifth graders actually need to know in the state of California. So what can I do to make that more sticky? So let's maybe record just a little a little or a full-on song in GarageBand and connect it with a content standard. Um, So remember something I wrote with some fifth graders uh, about the human body systems. They're like, yeah, we're struggling with human body systems. Like, cool. Like, give me a thing, you know, digestive system. Cool. Digestive system. Let's put that to 16th notes. Da-da-da-da-da. It's a digestive system. All right. You just did 16th notes. It's actually not particularly catchy and I'm not going to sing for you. Um, which is, I think, good for both of us. But that idea that we can now write some very quick lyrics, it doesn't have to be a fancy song, it doesn't even have to be recorded, but we can learn about 16th notes and connect it with some existing content. I think that's like the, the peanut butter and chocolate thing. It's like, yeah, cool, like that, that makes sense. If you're going to teach music, like connecting with content makes a lot of sense. But I think there's a lot of other ways. And I think once we start to talk about like, podcasting or like green screen stuff. I think every teacher I know is like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you, do you green screen with your kids every week, every day? Well, no. All right. So, so why not? Like what, what gets in the way of that? And I think one part is there's just so much to cover. So I kind of tackled that a tiny bit just now by doing that mashup, like the the peanut butter plus chocolate, doing two things at once, two lessons, three lessons. Um, you know, if we look at some of the communications standards, having to present that, having to like create that for an audience that checks, you know, another standard. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different ways we can hit multiple standards at once in projects, in creative things that students are doing. But I think often there's this kind of unwritten constraint in our heads I certainly default to it, that it has to be really good. And I don't know that we do that day to day. I think just making an approximation towards the perfect behavior, right? Like any progress forward is awesome. So as we're doing like a podcast, maybe they just hope in voice memos. And by the way, I'm doing that today. I'm not going to hop in the podcast studio just voice memos works. It's a great way to record voices. You do that. You do a reflection. Maybe you share it. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just Google Classroom. Maybe you throw that in GarageBand and add some music. Maybe you write some music and then that's your podcast intro. Maybe you publish it. Maybe it's Classroom. Maybe it's airdropped to your teacher. Like there's, there's many, many ways where it can be very quick. It can be, all right? Uh, if you're one-to-one, every kid can do voice memos or you know if, if you're on a chromebook hop on like we video very quick audio recording using microsoft flip 
open that up and treat it like an audio recording. It doesn't have to be video. Just one minute and you're done, unedited, unpolished. And then we can scaffold that up, right? Like if you have more time, if you want to make it like a summative assessment, get that draft and then let's do another rep. Cool. Let's actually, you know, kind of storyboard it or, or outline it or bullet point it or, or something. And then maybe we'll, we'll use a better microphone or maybe we'll add some video and then switch over to Microsoft Flip. Still want to say Flipgrid, do you? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a long one for me to unlearn and relearn. Um, but it can be, it can be really, really quick. If we look at like a green screen example, it could just be green butcher paper behind you, record, like promise your students to promise you. Does that make sense? Make your students promise you they will do it in one take no matter what right? Like lower the bar, give them a deadline. This is due in 10 minutes. Find a solid background. Maybe it's not even a green screen, just a solid background, something clean, record, you have 10 minutes, go. Right. And then we can, we can start to kind of ratchet it up. And there's, there's all kinds of impediments here, right? If you have 35 kids and you're teaching, you know, fifth or seventh grade, not sixth, fifth or seventh, um, this starts to become logistically really, really tricky. And so, you know, there's, there's for sure not a simple answer and there's for sure a lot of systematic changes like smaller class sizes. If you have 16 or 20 kids, you're going to be able to do this a lot, a lot more and with um, a lot less frustration and a lot more effectiveness, right? So there's, I mean, there's all kinds of legislation that we need to do and a lot more funding that needs to go into public schools if we're going to pull this off in, in a significant way, I think. Um, and so, you know, like we, we can scale that up where, all right, you know, like we'll green screen or we'll get like a clean background and, uh, and we'll work with maybe pears, right? And if we have a green screen, pears makes it go twice as fast. And maybe we paint a wall green, use some, some green fabric, just staple some or tape green butcher paper to like random walls. Then uh, one of our middle school history teachers got a whole bunch of green fabric and just clothes pinned it to trees. And that worked. He actually was able to get like 10 or 15 green screen stations last year. Uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So like, so, so there's ways, right? There's, you know, kind of those, um, if you go to a conference, there are those like portable projector screen looking things. Like normally you pull down on a projector, it's on the ground and then you pull it up. Like there's green screens of those. So there's, there's ways I think that tech directors like me can, can buy stuff to make it more accessible, more portable. Um, yeah, so that's, so that's the kind of the second big bucket. We have like the mashup thing, we have the scope thing. But I think the, the biggest trick is going to be what do we do to actually do it? And so much of this, I think, is a real constraint. And a lot of times it's a self-imposed constraint around actually doing cool projects with kids. I know that depending on your school, on your state, on your administrator, on your administrative team, um, there's a lot where like, there's sometimes like a real impediment that actually doing cool stuff with kids is nearly impossible. But there's also, I think, a, a really internal struggle with teachers of like, I, I need to teach this material. I've got to cover this stuff. And so I think just dipping your toe 
And, um, you know, as I record this right now, we're on the day before Thanksgiving break. And as a teacher, these were my favorite days, my favorite days, all the holidays, because I was able to take a risk and try a cool thing with my students. I think that the, the pressure on those days that are, are wacky days, um, you know, like we're, we're doing the turkey hands, like in kindergarten, you know, like we don't have to worry about like doing our reading groups and doing the reading assessment and, and all the things we can just hang out, have a good time. Maybe there's a class party, you know, like there's, it it tends to be one of those days, uh, you know, like St. Patrick's day, Valentine's day, all of these days that, that there tends to be uh, a little bit of, uh, kids are, are like feeling this is this day is different so on those days maybe that's the chance for you to dip your toe in the water of all right like not really sure what podcasting is going to be with my kids but let's do a reflection on something you know like let's let's pick a topic we were just doing let's tie in with the united nations sustainable development goals pick one why does that matter to you and just talk talk for one minute go all right, what are we going to do with it? Let's throw it in a garage band. Uh, find a drum loop and find one instrument. Bass synth, saxophone, probably not saxophone. Uh, you know, can you play a tiny bit? Go to keyboard typing and, and record like a lead synth. Find, you know, some sort of like piano or something. Find some loop, record some loop, two instruments. Add your thing in, garage band, export that you've got a recording. You call it a podcast. It's technically only a podcast if you broadcast it, if there's a feed. Um, Call it a podcast. You're done. You know, like that could take 10 minutes if it's just a voice memo. Could take an hour if you really polish it. Could take two hours if you add some music to it. You know, that doesn't have to be just, you know, here's, we're going to color and have a class party. It could be like, we're going to do some reflections. Like, what's one thing you've learned this year that you're really excited about? cool, record that. And we could just as easily kick over to video, clean back on green screen or not, record your video, maybe some super quick editing, stretch that into two hours, and then that's your day on that Friday afternoon before we have Thanksgiving break. Um, yeah, so I think there's some possibilities there. I, as I talk with more and more people, I know that there's so many impediments in the way of, of just doing like really cool projects with kids all the time. Um, and there's some, you know, there's some real challenges there and some real roadblocks. But I think as we begin to look for opportunities and really like once we dip our toe in that water, once we take that risk, once we kind of seize that opportunity, um, I think we'll find, or I certainly found that kids were way more engaged. Kids would talk about those projects way, 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 way more. Um, all those lessons that I worked really hard on and like, you know, really lesson planned the heck out of. Um, they almost always forgot those, but those projects, when we're, t- when we're creating media, my goodness, like those projects stick with the kids. That's how you get the sticky learning. That's how we say we sticks with them, right? That's what we want. And so I think once you start to do that, um, you know, I certainly found that like the more I did that, the more I wanted to do that and the more I could find opportunities to do that. And sometimes it'd be a big old thing that would, you know, be like a month-long project, you know, here and there. Sometimes it'd be like a half-day thing on a, you know, 
second half of Valentine's Day in second grade, sometimes it'd be like 10 minutes. Let's open up voice memos, record a thing, we're done. You know, like there's, there's ways to make it fit and there's ways to, uh, to start creating cool stuff with kids. So that's my riff for today. I'm heading out. Can you tell I've been listening to some John Ike podcasts? That's my riff. Should I talk with my John Ike voice? God, he has such a cool radio voice. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, depending on if you're listening to this live, hopefully you're having a nice restful Thanksgiving break. You don't listen to it live. Why do I say you're listening to it live? Podcasts are never live unless you're doing a live podcast. And that's not what this is. Uh, not the point. Thanks for listening. My name is Bill Selleck and this has been me talking.